You are listening to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast aimed at delivering insights to help your family business thrive. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and each week I'll be bringing you interviews from family businesses and their advisors from all over the world. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. So hello and welcome to the Family Business Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Hayworth, and I'm really pleased today to be joined by Fiona Graham, who is the Director of External Affairs and Policy at the Institute for Family Business. Um, I'll let Fiona introduce herself and, and give you a bit of information about her background. But the purpose of today's show is to give you an insight into the role of the Institute for Family Business, um, what events they put on, what research they are involved in and the influences they have in government and give you a bit more information about the, the good that they do within the family business community. So um, welcome Fiona to the show. Thank you for your time today. Thank you very much for inviting me. No problem. Um, so yeah, if we could start off by um, having a sort of a introduction, bit of background as to where you've come from, how, how you've got your role today and um, we'll go from there. So my background is in um, policy and advocacy. I've worked all over the political sphere. Um, I've worked in the Scottish Government and the Scottish Parliament and I've also worked in lots of different sectors trying to make a strong case for different sectors um, through trade associations and membership organisations working on their behalf. Uh, Really trying to help them make sure that good policy is being made that takes into account what they need. So my role at the IFB is to kind of take that experience and make sure that there's a strong voice for family business in government. And it's important to do that because family businesses have some unique challenges and some unique issues that are different to other sectors of the business community. And politicians often think about sectors um, in kind of retail or construction, but family business issues span across those. So we deal a lot um, with some of the issues around ownership and the impact that has on how family, the kind of taxation policies that families need. But also there are unique things such as because family businesses tend to be older, they may have uh, historic defined benefit pension schemes, which is a big issue for us at the moment. Um, And just making sure that politicians understand why family business is different, the contribution that it makes to the economy because they are the backbone of our economy. Um, and they employ 12 million people, and that they understand how the things that they're putting forward will affect family businesses, particularly because most of those are privately owned, um, so they may not, so they have different uh, different rules around them than maybe some larger listed companies, Mm -hmm. and making sure they understand the role that family businesses play in their communities as well, because we know that family businesses have very strong values and really understand their place in the community and the impact of their actions, and making sure that when business, uh, when politicians are looking for business to be responsible and to understand its wider impact, that actually they do under, that they know that there is already a sector of the business community that's already mm-hmm. doing that, and that's yeah. family businesses. And I guess it's it's quite difficult with, uh, particularly at the the current political climate where there there seems to be elections every other week, in that there's no consistency there in terms of the setting of the policy because there's new ministers being brought in um, each time there's a a reshuffle or um, an election. 
And so the IFB, I guess, is the consistency behind the scenes in terms of influence to, to try and make sure that somebody doesn't come in and, and scuff all the good work that's being done. Yeah, I mean, obviously we work with the ministers who the Prime Minister puts in place, whoever, whoever the Prime Minister is or the ministers are, we will work with them. Um, but we work with the civil servants as well, and they're often there, regardless of who the minister is, they they continue to be there, mm-hmm. um, even as governments change. But we also work with um, MPs who may then go on to become ministers, so it's really important for there to be a strong um, family business voice, not only with, at the ministerial level, but at the official level, and then with members of parliament as well, and, and the lords of, as well, of course. Mm-hmm. So. We do a lot of work making sure that we're on top of who's the best person to speak to and that we're reaching out to them and we're trying to make sure that they understand. Almost all MPs, I mean, I I can't think of a single MP who doesn't have a huge number of family businesses in their Mm. constituency. So often that's quite useful to be able to say to them, you have family businesses in your constituency, here's why it's important. And that can often help us kind of make that initial contact um, and and get through the door with Mm. them. And are they receptive generally? Generally, I would say politicians are. Um, it's it's interesting at the moment. There's a lot of talk about um, the Prime Minister's ambition for an industrial strategy that's long term, that's sustainable in its outlook. Again, that spoke about the impact and that business plays in the community, and those are all things that family businesses are really good at. Mm. So actually, there's a lot that's being spoken about at the moment where family businesses already excel, and we're keen to make sure that. Anything that's put in place helps them build on their existing strengths. And if there are challenges or uh, weaknesses, that we can help them improve in those areas as well. Fantastic. Great stuff. Um, And in terms of the IFB um, itself, can you provide um, the listeners who perhaps haven't heard or aren't aware of the um, sort of organisation, who you're for and and who you are and and things like that? Yeah, so we're um, a not-for-profit membership organisation. We were established in 2001. We were founded by a group of family business owners who wanted a place to get together, a safe space to talk about some of their challenges and share experiences of how they've maybe dealt with succession or managed difficult conversations, tried to engage the next generation. And that came out of um, some of our founding members who'd been to the International Family Business Network and we're the UK chapter for that. Um, And that feeling of... Um, being a safe space for family business owners to come together is still really core to what we do. Um, so we help fa- we help families to make connections with each other, to share experiences, to share those lived experiences and kind of talk through challenges they may be facing. We provide them with expertise. So we have a sister organisation, which is the Research Foundation, which produces world-leading research, but we also provide advice, um, and content for people on our website and our social media challenges and then part of my role which is the advocacy side as well and those three part these three things are called are kind of our core streams of work mm-hmm. and we kind of are here to promote the family business sector because often it's not always understood how incredible it is how how much it contributes to our national life I Absolutely. suppose not even just our just our economy and mm. um, so we're here to celebrate that and we're here to support families and really reinforce to people that you're not alone. You may feel that the challenge you're going through, you're the only person to have ever been in that position. But actually, every family is different, but there are often core challenges 
such as the different transition points when you move from a first to a second generation yeah. business, when you have cousins working together, what you do if, a, a, you know, the person who sat and founded the business doesn't want to retire or whatever it might be. Um, there's a support network out there and it's important yeah. to learn from each other because one thing we never do is say to families, this is the set way that you should fix X problem. Yep. Um, there, every family is different. Every business is different. And what we're here to do is to provide people with enough knowledge that they can work their way through um, and find the solution that works for everybody in their family. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And <clears throat> obviously, as the name might suggest, you're the Institute for Family Businesses. Do, do, do you have a specific definition that you you work to because we've covered in a previous um, podcast uh, I think the EU has something like 93 different definitions for, for a family business so given that there isn't a kind of a certificate that, that people are awarded with when they become a family business mm -hmm. do, do you have a definition you work towards? I mean you're absolutely right it's not a particularly straightforward area there are lots of definitions we have amongst our membership we have all sorts so we have businesses that are still own, uh, run by the founder we have owner managed businesses we have somewhere we have quite a large number where their family are governing owners but they don't take any role in the management all sorts of ages a growing number of first generation businesses but also a large number of multi-generational businesses so our kind of the definition that we use is really that there has to be an intention to kind of remain as a family business yeah. so that's what you're planning to do um, if possible now that doesn't always work out um, for various reasons or that might not be right for you in the future but that's how we uh, how, that's how we encourage people to think about it when they're looking at whether they should become a member mm -hmm. So it could be um, somebody who's founded a business with the intention of one day the kids coming through and, and being involved in that, but they might not actively be doing that at the moment, but the intention is there, they wouldn't be turned away at the door. For, no, absolutely for not. not, not no, being. Welcome to <coughs> Excellent. Um, and you mentioned um, that the, the IFB help with... Um, information around challenges mm -hmm. uh, are there some challenges that crop up more often than others and, and if so what are those absolutely I mean the, I mentioned already that people feel that they're often the only people to go through some of the issues and that's absolutely not the case with almost all of the challenges that we see um, succession is always a big challenge regardless of when you start to plan there's always going to be questions that you need to ask yourself and things you need to prepare for but often people put off those succession conversations until it's a bit further down the line than, than you would like I mm -hmm. think I can be diplomatic in saying <laughs> um, engaging the next generation is always a conversation we have um, with people how you balance trying to encourage them to be interested and involved in the business whether they plan to work in it or not versus not making them feel that they're under too much pressure to join the business or that you expect certain things of them and that is a huge challenge and that's about open conversation but trying to balance that is quite difficult mm -hmm. we have increasing conversations with people about um, millennials and how you can encourage people to kind of move into the family business when they've got these portfolios, careers and things like that. Yeah. So there's always those intergenerational questions. 
Um, bringing in non-family for the first time particularly, how uh-huh. do you do it? How do you find the right people? Um, what support do you need in making sure that you have people who understand your values? And then how do you, when they're in the business, make sure that they don't feel that you're constantly looking over their shoulder and uh-huh. that you give them the freedom to do what they can do best, which is to help your business to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like sorting out family governance. What does it mean to have a family council? Why would you have a family constitution? Should you have specific formal employment policies uh, for family members? Under what rules can you join the family business? Things uh-huh. like that. Um, so what we do is we provide that safe space for people to share their experiences and what they've done um, and to hear from others. And then we bring in experts who can support them, and that might be advisors or others, um, and then provide kind of advice and things as well. And that's through events and workshops as well as uh-huh. our, our online content yeah and, and um uh, i mean pe- people can go and visit um your website but but on your website there's um sort of details of the type of events that you hold uh, and some of those are, are very focused on, on particular um areas aren't they yeah and um specifically things like next generation workshops to to have those discussions among people of similar ages who perhaps have had a similar upbringing with a family business around them, who don't have anywhere else to to speak to or to turn to for that kind of support. Yeah, we have a next generation forum, which is for our um, our members who are between eighteen and thirty nine. And what it does is it provides them with a place to get together and, as you say, talk to each other about what it's like to grow up in a family business. Because often, if people come for the first time and I'll hear other people saying, oh, I, I feel that there's this weight of expectation on me. Or even, I really want to work in the business, but my family doesn't think it's the right thing for, for me to do. They want me to go outside, but I know this is what I want to do. Um, they feel that finally there's people they can talk to about it because it can be difficult to have those conversations, particularly if you're a next generation uh, mem- family member. We, it can be difficult to have those conversations with your friends if they're not from a family business because often we have we hear next gen saying I tried to talk to my friends about it but they said you've got a family business you've always guaranteed a job you're really lucky what are you complaining <laughs> about and they feel sometimes that then that people are judging them yeah so what we do is we provide them with a place to come together and to share in a completely non-judgmental environment with people who understand exactly what they're talking about and then they can start to work there work their own issues out and find their path forward and for a lot of our next year members they will talk very openly about how it really has helped them to clarify what it was they wanted um how how they've managed to learn from other people about how they can have difficult conversations with their parents Mm -hmm. the benefit of getting outside experience that sort of thing yeah and i guess if there is a label um the, the millennial label seems to to be um, one that's thrown around a bit at the moment, in particular with um, regards to entitlement. Um, and uh, I guess each each generation has had to deal with a particular label. Um, I can't remember if I'm Gen X or Gen Y, but I know growing up I was labelled with, you will be more wealthy than such and such, but you'll be less wealthy than such and such. And it's a, a very broad generalization and it can be tricky within the family environment to to have that 
sort of label of I'm an entitled um, millennial mm. uh, and it may or may not be true because each individual within that generation is, is an individual. I think often a lot of the issues that we see are just to do with the different generations, not necessarily millennials versus Gen X, Gen Y or whoever. Um, we did some, well, uh, our sister organisation, the Research Foundation, did some research last year um, which looked at engaging the next generation. And one of the things that that found was that there was this perception amongst the current generation that the upcoming the generation that's coming behind them didn't care about the business, probably wasn't that interested, um, didn't necessarily understand why it was important. And when we spoke to the next generation and they did uh, analysis of their views, Actually, the next generation cared passionately about their businesses, really understood why it was important to be a responsible owner, knew that they still had things to learn. Um, and actually, they felt that sometimes the current generation weren't giving them credit for mm -hmm. actually being as interested in it as they were. Mm. And that was really interesting. I think for a lot of a lot of the current generation, that actually really turned their thinking on its head about actually our children do understand this is business is important and it's part of their heritage and mm. they feel incredibly proud of it. Yeah, and, and some can almost feel um, daunted by the, the responsibility um, mm -hmm. that, that comes with, with that pride and that passion because if they can see that the business is, is doing very well and it is um, something to be proud of, they can either step up and, and kind of carry that on or they might feel a bit daunted by by doing that absolutely and if you've been to a business as a lot as we know a lot of members do when the kids start to be involved in the business from quite an early age so going if it's a factory going on visits or doing work experience during school holidays it can be quite daunting at that point to then step into that business and start working there in how in whatever level of role when there's people who are working there who've seen you <laughs> walking around as yeah. a child and it can it's that feeling of am do I am I here on merit? Uh -huh. um, and that's why a lot of next generations will a lot lots of next generation members will go out and get experience outside. And we have fantastic stories of people who've gone to gain experience um, and brought some some new skills into yeah. the business. And that's really important for helping you feel that you have a place in that business and your role is justified. Mm. And that's where some rules can can come in and, and be quite advantageous. Um, yes. I, I was talking to, to somebody um, earlier who, um, they, they have rules within their family business of you, you have to go and get five years experience elsewhere. You have to, in this particular case, be trilingual to, to be able to go into the business. So it's, that's a challenge in itself. <laughs> um, and various other things that are set down for everybody. So, mm -hmm. so those are the rules for, for everybody within the family. So you don't just go in and, and um, on the basis of your surname or, or because you've grown up in, into the family business. Mm -hmm. but, but we also know of businesses where there are no rules to going in and they can still be a success and that comes back to I think your point where there is no one-size-fits-all solution it has to be right for the business and the individuals within it and it's also not a hard and fast rule on within the business because if you're a first or a second or even a third generation business where there aren't that many cousins it may be easier for you you may be closer to the business to have those conversations more informally but if you're a larger family, 
where cousins are maybe more removed from each other, that's maybe when you decide that you need to have rules written down. Um, but I think people often talk about um, setting up a constitution or a council or these employment policies as though once you've done it, you don't think about it again. <laughs> And it's the same with bringing in non-family management for the first time. It's often spoken about as that's the point when the family stops managing the business. Now, it may be that that's the point at which there isn't anybody in the family who's suitable to run the business, but there may be somebody in 10, 15 years' time who has all the skills and mm -hmm. you desperately want them to run your business. They're the best person for the job. It's not something that has to be done once and then you never reassess it. Um, I think it's the same with the family council, the employment policies, you have to keep reviewing it, making sure the rules or the, the lack of rules is what's right for your family at the time mm. and keep re reviewing and reassessing and making sure that everything's in place that you need. Yeah, and I think we mentioned it before we, we hit record on the, the um, microphone today about um, the uh, sort of growing uh, trend for off-the-shelf solutions that are kind of almost put your family business name at the top and here's your constitution um, and I would um, suggest that that possibly is not going to have as much value or relevance as almost starting with a blank piece of paper obviously with the guidelines that can be provided by organizations such as the IFB um, but the off the off the shelf solutions are not really something to um, to solve any of those challenges no because you need to understand why you're doing what you're doing and often we talk a lot about constitutions and family councils and they are very important but you need to understand why you're doing it and people need to buy into the process and if you think that just a constitution will solve every issue you may have then you're not going into it I, I would say with your eyes open mm. um, and actually you need to you will have a much more successful process if everybody understands what's happening, has bought into the process and you've worked it out together. Because what was really relevant for one family may just not be of any importance to you at all. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned earlier about the um, research foundation um, side of uh, the organisation. Um, can you give us a bit more information about sort of who they are and how that works? So the Research Foundation is our sister organisation. They're an independent charity. <clears throat> They're chaired by Sir Michael Bibby. Um, it's really a centre of excellence for family business research. So they commission uh, research on um, the behaviours of family businesses. Uh, that includes advice. So I mentioned the Next Generation report that they did that not only looked at how people felt, but also made recommendations on providing safe spaces for the next generation, making sure they understand that, understood the possible places for them within the business. They did some research on people capital, so how people who work in family businesses feel, whether they feel that they are heard, whether they have a voice. And actually what that research said was that family uh, employees within family businesses felt that their managers were more likely to listen to them, that they understood the importance of the family, mm -hmm. that the business had strong values. So they do academic um, and also kind of white paper research um, and kind of are world leading in that. But what they also do is they produce the annual uh, sector report, which is called State of the Nation. Mm. That 
lays out the contribution that family businesses make to the UK in terms of employment and uh, GDP and tax contribution, and also how they're broken down regionally. And that is the only research of its kind in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, interestingly, it's one of the only, it's one, we're one of the few countries in the world to do that kind of research. There are only a few others who have something similar that really lays out their own um, family business sector. And that's really important as part of our advocacy work to demonstrate to government how vast the family business sector yeah, is absolutely. and how enormous the contribution they mm. make is. Because it's something, is it 87% of, of UK businesses are um, family businesses? Yes, yes. So they employ, family businesses employ 12 million people mm. and they generate a quarter of GDP. Yeah. Um, in 2015, which is the last year that the tax figures are available for, they paid £133 billion pounds in tax. Wow. So it's a very, it's a mm. very big sector. It's yeah. a very big uh, contribution that they make. Now most of those are small businesses, so they don't have that kind of profile necessarily mm-hmm. um, that maybe large listed companies have. Yeah. But amongst that, there are sixteen thousand medium and large businesses. So it's not just small businesses. Mm-hmm. These are really vast employers. Some of them. And what that highlights as well is um, what we were talking about earlier about the fact that family businesses aren't alone. Uh, if if you consider eighty seven percent of UK businesses are um, family businesses, that's a heck of a lot of people who are more than likely having the same challenges as you may be having as a as a family business now. Absolutely, and also it shows how important we are in terms of people uh, the country's cultural life as well. I often say to, I often give names and examples of family businesses to people when they're trying to think about oh I don't know if I know any family businesses and I say yes you definitely do here are some names um but what we find is that often you'll have you'll have a family business it'll be a multi-generational family business that have been based in the same town for 100 years or, or however long you'll then have within that business multiple families not the only family but multiple families who've had various generations work in that business so it's a family business in more than one way but then you'll also say to people, oh, do you know about this product or do you buy this bread or these shoes or whatever it might mm-hmm. be? Um, and I'll say, oh, yeah, we've always shopped there. We've always bought their stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember going to get my first pair of shoes there with my, with my daughter or with my parents. And lots of these businesses are really ingrained in people's lives, whether they work in the family business or mm-hmm. not. And it's really important. And think that's where one of the strengths that family businesses have is that connection to people and you're seeing increasingly that family businesses are mentioning their family credentials in their marketing and mm. that's another bit of research that the research foundation actually did oh, was around how you can use your familyness as a branding competitive mm. advantage some families use it for employer marketing um because we know people like working in family businesses mm-hmm. they have values and that's an interesting dimension for the millennials issue people often say that millennials want to work in businesses that they feel care so that's a great advantage for family businesses Absolutely. because values are just live throughout the business yeah <clears throat> but um for for consumers we know we did some research with you a couple of years ago that showed that people trusted family businesses more and they've responded really well to them so 
for family businesses, really mentioning their family credentials is important mm. um, and is, I think, increasingly important as there is this big national debate about trust in business yeah. and, and, and business's role in the society. Mm. And I guess when, um, it's not, this isn't a, a hard and fast rule, but, but family businesses tend to have a lot more focus on the longer term success of the business and they're not willing to compromise that by going searching for a quick buck or pushing their luck on, on certain aspects of it. And again, that's something that could potentially be utilised from a marketing perspective to say, and it might, might seem counterintuitive to say, let's try and increase our sales by showing that we're not here for you know quick fads and things. But but it is something that people relate to because there are businesses out there that are family businesses that have been around for years that people might not necessarily know are family mm-hmm. businesses. And just making people aware of that it is another way of bringing those um, potential customers closer uh, as part of that. And that long-term outlook does have advantages with consumers, but it's also really advantageous when you're thinking about investment. Because if your competitor is thinking about the next quarter's results, what impact would it, uh, building this new line in my factory have on my next quarter's results? Because if you as a family say, this product line is really important for our future, for diversifying, for making sure that we continue to keep that entrepreneurial spirit alive, we need to make this investment. It might not pay off for five or 10 or 25 years, you know, but we need to do it and that'll give us a competitive advantage. Yeah. Actually, they have an advantage there as well. Um, and they do invest in a different way. Um, and the way that they finance that investment and that growth is different as well. Yeah, fantastic. Um, in terms of, you mentioned the State of the Nation report, are there any particular trends or findings from that that, that businesses can take away some some lessons from um so one of the interesting trends uh from that report was that it shows that since 2010 um employment in family businesses is up by more than 20 percent okay um which i think is interesting as people tend to think that family business is a something that's you often hear news stories about a family business closing on a high street and that's very sad but that's not indicative of the whole sector mm-hmm. so the number of family businesses is growing the turnover is growing the contribution to gdp is growing so actually it's a very very positive story mm. overall excellent that's good news um and you mentioned some of the events that you um hold uh, throughout the year and uh, am i right in thinking there's an annual conference yes so we have a conference in june every year and we have about 180 family business owners get together we were in york it was a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. it was very very nice and sunny Um, and we bring speakers from around the world we bring academics advisors and family business owners and we we encourage them to share their stories there's often a theme around that we uh, around which we hold some different sessions mm-hmm. so this year we were really looking at the future and long-termism and what the building blocks for future success are but also all of the things that families need to be thinking about mm-hmm. so we have various speakers talking about the role that your heritage can play in influencing the future how you can keep your entrepreneurial spirit alive the role of patient capital um, and we also had um, Matthew Taylor from the RSA, who's doing a review for the government at the moment on modern employment practices. Okay. And we spoke with him about the way that the world of work is changing and what families need to think about in terms of the gig economy and potential changes to employment regulations and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really interesting event. 
Mm, excellent. Um, and you, you mentioned the, the focus on that was uh, on the future. Um, something that is on the horizon in the not too distant future, um, perhaps, is uh, Brexit. Um, and I think irrespective of your sort of view on that, it is something that is obviously um, there and affecting us all at the moment. Mm-hmm. H- have you seen any changes in mood or attitude as a result? I think the thing that's come out most strongly from the business owners that we've spoken to is that really where it's possible, they want stability. They want answers to some of the questions they've got around supply of labour, trading relationships, all, uh, all those sorts of things, what our future relationship with Europe looks like. Family businesses are very long term, we've just spoken about that. Um, and they're very entrepreneurial. So they are looking for the opportunities where they can, but there are questions that they have and they want answers to those as speedily as they can Mm -hmm. because they're making investment decisions. They need to know what they need to be doing for the future. Yeah. Um, And in your role with the um, IFB, do you have any influence, perhaps not over Brexit, but over government policy as a a whole? Is there um, an ear you have that, that can help shape that? So we do lots of work, as I spoke about at the start, promoting the needs of the sector and we try and have influence over a whole range of issues. So we're really making sure that the government thinks about the impact of its policies on family businesses. So we've done a lot over the past year on the impact of defined benefit pension schemes, how that's affecting how family businesses can invest in future growth. There's, um, there are obviously changes in the budget announced around taxation of dividends. Again, it's been a big issue for us for the past couple of years. <clears throat> we have concerns about that and the impact that that has on family business owners, particularly um, in relation to the effect that it has on the long-term shareholding and whether family members decide that they want to be part of this, this business still. Uh-huh. We've been doing a lot of work around probate. There were changes put forward last year that still haven't still still haven't been finalised around probate, which would have huge impacts on uh, family business owners. And we're calling on the government to make sure that they think about those again because uh-huh. we think that that could have a very significant impact, particularly on businesses, um, maybe a rural farm where they're. Uh, asset rich, rich but cash poor, yeah. um, and the impact that that could have on driving short term behaviours to pay probate fees. Uh-huh. Um, corporate governance has been a very big issue since this Prime Minister came into power last summer. Um, she has made it very clear that was an area she wanted to look at, and we've been dealing with lots of the issues around that because there's a large private company dimension there. Um, the industrial strategy again is something that's been taking up a lot of government focus and we've been talking around all sorts of issues around particularly family businesses and their role in their local community and how you can make sure that they have a valuable role to play Uh so we meet MPs and ministers and we kind of make sure that we're trying to prevent any unintended consequences to changes that they make Before the election, we put out a manifesto, uh, which we've done for the past few elections, Uh to really kind of pin down five key points that we thought were important for family businesses in this parliament. So that included access to finance, because families access finance and invest in a different way. They tend not to take on debt, or they're more wary about taking Uh on debt. 
Um, but we've found through our various conversations and our discussions with um, financial companies, that one of the biggest challenges is actually awareness amongst families of the options available to them. Mm-hmm. We obviously spoke about the need to help um, responsible businesses to thrive and uh, how we can do more to spread best practice in terms of corporate governance and the important role of culture and values mm-hmm. in good corporate governance. Great. We spoke about skills and the need to make sure that family businesses can get the skilled workforce that they need. Um, exports as well, how we can help more families to export. We know that family SMEs are less likely to export than other businesses mm-hmm. or other SMEs. Um, and part of that is the barrier of not wanting to be the, the generation that bets the farm. Mm-hmm. And so we're calling on the government to put together some more tailored advice and maybe work to find solutions that help families to take that step for the first time. And then one issue which we will always talk about and it's always important to family businesses is the importance of business property relief in Uh helping to make sure that successful businesses can continue to be successful after an ownership transfer or after an unexpected death in the family. Great. So there's obviously um, a lot of really good work going on um, with the IFB. Um, And if people want to get in touch with you to um, ask you to uh, look at a certain thing or want to find out more about you, how would they go about doing that? So you can visit our website, which is ifb.org.uk. You can find all sorts of information about our advocacy work and the submissions we're making to government. But you can also see various advice guides on managing communication or planning succession, engaging the next generation. Or you can follow us on Twitter at ifb underscore UK. You can email us at uh, info at ifb.org.uk or just give us a call on 0207 630 and we'll be happy to talk to you about whatever challenges you may be facing in your own family business. Excellent. That's great. Thank you very much indeed for your um, time, Fiona, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you very much. That's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to leave us a review, please feel free to do so on iTunes If you want to get in touch, you can find out more information at www.fambizpodcast.com. We'll see you again soon.